This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Matthew. And I'm Molly. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and you can't have any. Happy New Year, everybody. It's 2022. Thank goodness we're done with 2021. Yep. This is this is going to be the good year. Saying that won't jinx it at <laughs> oh, all. Oh, Matthew, don't. Uh, Matthew, this month marks 12 years of this show. Oh, my God. Um, we need to come up with some sort of like baker's dozen thing, like for year 13, right? Okay, yeah, like, lucky year 13. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. Okay. Let's, when you say a baker's dozen thing, like we're just going to like eat a bunch of donuts? Maybe. Well, okay. I just feel like whenever I think of a dozen, I think like, oh, well, like, like we should just throw one in and make it a baker's dozen. You're right. No, I do remember. I remember vividly learning about the concept of a baker's dozen when I was a kid and thinking that is so cool. <laughs> right? Yeah. This episode was suggested by listener Kenji Lopez-Alt, uh-huh. our celebrity listener. Yeah. I know we got a lot of celebrity listeners. Uh, Kenji Lopez-Alt, Shirley Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, Ken Albala. Mm-hmm. Listener Dana, who has suggested so many successful episode topics that she is a celebrity in our eyes. Yeah. Okay. So those are those are the four biggest celebrities who yeah. listen to the show. Okay. Great. Today we're talking about Dashi. Yay. Wait, did we already say that? I'm not sure. Okay. We're doing great so far. I would say this this like <laughs> what's what's like a higher than A plus? A baker's dozen. <laughs> okay. This okay. show gets a baker's dozen, a grade of a baker's dozen so far. So, yeah, today we're talking about Dashi. And specifically, so Kenji sent us a text yeah. asking if we had done a show about like all the different forms that Dashi comes in. The granules, uh, like, you know, homemade stuff using kombu and bonito and then other things. Yeah. Um, well, the, and the bags. The bags. Uh, but, but we're going to start the show the way we always do, by going down memory lane. Yes. So, Matthew, I think that dashi is one of those things that I had heard of, being someone who enjoys eating Japanese food. Mm-hmm. I think that it had never been something that I ever cooked with until the past couple of years. Okay. I make dashi sometimes. Uh, so I don't make miso soup very often because it really is best when you make it with a dashi base. Yeah. As opposed to just the miso soup I used to eat when I was a kid, which was like the From instant packet yeah. with just water. Anyway, but I have never used like instant dashi. 
I just thought that it was like cheating or something like you weren't supposed to do that. And so I feel like making dashi, even though it's very easy, I've only ever made it from scratch mm-hmm. to make miso soup or to use for soba. Okay. And and I don't feel like my homemade dashi is very good, actually. Well, I'm curious what we're going to learn today. Cause okay. like, so my memory lane, I don't think I really understood what dashi was until the first time I went to Japan. Mm-hmm. And like I'd heard of it and I knew that it was important in Japanese cooking, but I didn't really understand how it was like this underlying base flavor that appears in a wide variety yeah. of different foods. Yeah. You know, it's a stock, but it's not just used for soup. Yes. By any means. Yes. Um, although it certainly is used for soup, but it's it's a source of umami in Japanese I'm, cooking. I'm thinking, for instance, I think last winter I had a kabocha squash and mm-hmm. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with it. And you suggested doing some kind of thing where it's like almost steamed or, or poached in dashi. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, so many different things from using it as, of course, a soup base, poaching things. And I'm sure I'm going to learn a lot more about it. Yeah. And today. like my memory lane, I guess, is like really it's like walking into Hanamaru Udon for the first yes. time. Uh, and because uh, like the whole this is a, a noodle soup chain restaurant that Molly and I I both love you walk in and the whole place smells like the dashi they use, which is based on like dried anchovies. Okay. And uh, that's what they use for the soup base. And it just smells great. And uh, once you smell it, the smell stays with you forever. Yes. But, you know, that it make, the idea of it being made from dried anchovies, I think, would turn a lot of people off. But in truth, it's like a really complex smell that I have oh, a yeah, hard time yeah. tracing back to its components. Oh, you absolutely. Know? And I think but I think everybody knows by now that like that anchovies anchovies are like not like a that fishy anchovies thing, are but a wonderful thing yeah that yeah. they're just like a thing that makes everything taste better now wait hang on i thought dashi was made from bonito flakes oh which is let's different. talk about this you want to you want to dive in well okay. yeah let's dive like, in okay what so what is, is this dashi? stuff so dashi is a whole family of stocks So like any any like clear stock in Japanese cooking can be called dashi. And you're Ah. absolutely right that if you just say dashi, then people in Japan will assume that you mean a dashi made with uh, kombu, which is kelp, dried kelp and bonito flakes, smoked, fermented, dried uh, bonito, which is a tuna like fish. Mm hmm. That's so using those together, that's called an awase dashi, uh, which just Mm. means mixed. But I, I. don't hear that term used very much. So when I make dashi at home, I make the the recipe. I mean, it's so simple. It's yeah. hardly even a recipe, but I use um, just one cookbook. Yeah, that's what um, I use too. Yeah, but I'm noticing, I'm, I'm so glad we're talking about this because I'm noticing that the fish you use looks very different from the fish I've been oh, using. Oh, we're going to talk and about this I for bet, sure. Okay, all right, here we go. Okay, so so that's that's the basic. The baseline is a mix of, of kombu and katsuobushi, which is the smoked fermented tuna-like fish. Okay. You can make a kombu dashi, which is just seaweed-based. And that can be either like cold brewed, basically, where you're just just steeping it overnight or uh, simmered. Okay. And usually whenever you're using kombu, you don't boil it. You just bring it up to a simmer and then take it out because if you boil it, it gets bitter. Well, yeah, this is it it always makes me nervous. Like when you read recipes for it, it's like, quick, get the kombu out. Yeah, but also it's the kind of thing that like once you've done it once or twice, like either either you'll you'll just get the hang of it or if you forget, you'll just start over. So you've you've booed your kombu. Yeah, I've booed my kombu. Okay. Sure. So and, you know, even done, if you I... even if you do boil it, it's still not gonna be bad. It's just gonna be different. I was hoping that this was something that you really had to work hard to overdo. Like, you know, when cake recipes say like uh, you know, do not overmix. 
I have never actually overmixed a cake batter to the point where it got tough. So I was hoping you were going to say that it really takes a lot of overcooking to make kombu bitter. No, but if you use it, like, you know, someone someone who has, like, a lot of experience will, will be able to pick out, like, what went wrong. But it's not really going to ruin everything. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that's, that's the second most common, I would say, is, is kombu dashi. Mm-hmm. Um, then there, uh, the other two most common types are uh, shiitake, which uh, is made with dried mushrooms and uh, usually usually just, uh, like uh, again, just steeped or, or simmered. And so that would be just the mushrooms? Yeah, but I mean, you can mix any of these, but like typically when, I, when I've had a, uh, a mushroom-based dashi, it's been either just the mushrooms or mushrooms and kombu. Okay. And then finally, made with other fish. And sometimes a mix of fish, like, uh, you know, like a dried dried horse mackerel and bonito, or like specifically like a small dried fish dashi, like a dried sardine or dried anchovy, is going to have a stronger fish flavor than bonito and is often used for uh, soups, and especially for ramen. So you were saying you think Hanamaru Udon uses an anchovy Yes, dashi. I know they do because uh, I looked at their website yesterday. Oh, I love that yeah. stuff. So, okay. All right. Carry okay. on. So we have here, I want to start the tasting before this gets like cold. Cold, yeah. Um, so I, I made, we'll, we'll go into more about what dashi is and how to use it, but I made three dashis here. I've never done a tasting like this before. So here's like, if you go to Japan today, most people are not making dashi from scratch at home. They are using either like a dehydrated powder, like granule type product called hondashi, which uh, everybody has in their cupboard in Japan. Can I can I yeah. see the granules? And so, what is this one made from? So this is the fakest one. It is made from mostly uh, salt, sugar, and MSG. This truly looks and smells like fish food. Yeah, it's salt, sugar, MSG, and like a little bit of fish extract. Okay, it's still good. Okay. You know, it's going to be stronger. The little jar is really cute. The little jar is really really cute. It's really curvaceous. So the next step up from there, and this is, of course, super cheap because it's salt, sugar, and MSG. Okay. The next step up from there is like a good quality dashi tea bag, basically. Mm. So so these, this one, I I used the last bag, so you can't see the bag. But it looks just like a tea bag, and it's got like real dashi ingredients in it, like dried fish and seaweed, and also usually like a little bit of salt or sugar. Does this, I notice across the bottom, it has pictures of different things like anchovy mushrooms, et cetera. Does it have yeah. all those things in it? I think it does. Yeah. So it's showing that it has uh, two kinds of seaweed, mushrooms, and two kinds of fish. Ooh. So. And then tell me about, so on the back, there is this. Um, I'm so glad you asked about What do you call this? this? Like a. Uh, like a continuum. I, uh, like uh, a, a line with an arrow at either end. And there are different colors on it and sh- it'll show you like this is this a strength continuum it's or not. A fish I thought that's what saltiness? it was going to be too so okay what so it looks this? like you know it's like a horizontal version of like the thermometer you would see on a hot sauce bottle right okay. yeah 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 but all this thing is showing is that over on the left is represents like made from scratch homemade dashi and the continuum is how easy it is to make it and so it's showing <laughs> that this is as easy as it gets so I think the idea is to convince you to buy this instead of the granules because, like, don't get the idea that this is any harder than using the granules. It's not, but it is tastier. Okay, okay. So this is the bag. This is what yeah. we're calling the bag. Yeah, and this one, like, wh- whenever you buy, like, a like a bag dashi like this, it's going to have different instructions for different uses. So, like, if you're using it for miso soup, you're going to make it relatively dilute. If you're using it for, like, a simmered dish, like you're you're simmering some, some squash in it, you want mm-hmm. it to be stronger. So okay. I made it miso soup style. Okay. And then there's homemade. 
And yes. so I also made some homemade using some kombu and katsuobushi fish flakes. Great. And I, I want to start, I, I, I want to talk more about this, but I really want to start tasting. Where, what, how should we cheese plate this? I think we should start, honestly, from the granules. I think so. I think, I do have a feeling the other ones are not going to, are going to taste very thin after the granules one. Actually, but then let's start with homemade. Let's start with homemade and go, and go okay. from like, okay. theoretically best to worst. Mmm. Mmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's good. So. God, I just wish for more salt. Yeah. So Can we talk about, like, is this what dashi is supposed to taste like? Well, it's not, you're not going to serve it like this without salting the broth. Okay. Um, you know, it's this is this is like you know a an unsalted chicken stock or veal stock that we, you would make just as like a base ingredient. It's not it's not made to be delicious all by itself. Okay, okay. Um, so that 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 makes the tasting tricky. Okay, we're gonna move on to the bag. Oh, this is saltier. Yeah, that's saltier. <laughs> it's so saltier. Let's put a little salt in the homemade one, okay. shall we? Mm, so the thing that I noticed about the home one is the flavor of the fish is really prominent and really clean. And it's a little bit like delayed. You put it in your mouth and it takes a minute for the flavor to sort of bloom. Yeah. Maybe that's the absence of salt. I wonder if, it, I wonder if we're going to taste it more quickly with the salt. I just added a little salt. salt. You can see, see if we want to try more. The bag one, the salt hits my tongue first and then I get more flavor. Yeah. I didn't put in as much salt as the bagged one has, but already makes a big difference, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, you're not going to serve, like, an udon uh, noodle soup with an unsalted broth. True. Um, so, the way that it usually gets salted, like, the Tokyo style is going to use more soy sauce, and, uh, like, Osaka style is going gonna, is gonna to use more salt. Okay, I just tasted the granules one, which, compared to the bag and the home one, it's a little bit cloudy, mm-hmm. but still clearer than most chicken stocks. Oh, it's full of sugar. Um, it is quite delicious. It's, yeah, it's still very tasty. It's, it's very it's tasty. Different. It's a little like thinner. Yeah, somehow, like I mean, the flavor is thinner. Yeah, and I think I think I don't know for sure, like what which aspect of uh, of the ingredients is contributing to that. But I think like when you when you like simmer kombu, like that's giving body to the stock, like mm. texture, not just flavor. Okay, and I think that's probably part of it. Ah, okay. This wow, is so interesting. This is really interesting. They're all, they are more similar, I think, than they are different. Yeah, I think so too. Um, I think if we were tasting, like, I, I know we did a chicken stock or chicken broth episode at some point, maybe? Yeah, we definitely did. And I feel like the range of flavor of chicken stock is much wider. I think so too. Um, so these, to me, and are I more similar than they are different, but they're very different. When we when we get into, like, stock, you know, like, Western-style stock versus dashi, I think, we'll, I think we'll kind of zero in on, like, why that might be. Okay. Um, I don't really like the added sugar in the granule one. Like, it, I think, like, next time, they probably make something similar that's no added sugar that I think is I would probably find tastier. Having said that, it's certainly not bad. No, I love that shit. Okay, great. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay, so Matthew, uh, hold on. Let's let's like backtrack sort of what is this flavor? How is this different from a stock, uh, like a chicken stock that would be our like Western cooking base? Okay, so first of all, like like I said, like dashi is a key source of umami in, in Japanese cooking. And there are, there are certainly other umami sources in Japanese cooking, like you know, a lot of soybean-based stuff like miso and, and soy sauce. But uh, dashi, unlike those things, like dashi is not strongly flavored in and of itself. So, like, primarily it is contributing, like, an umami backbone. Not that it doesn't have flavor, obviously, but mm-hmm. uh, it is loaded with 
the molecules that produce the savory umami flavor to the extent that that's where the concept of umami came from. Like that a, mm. uh, you know, a food scientist in Japan at the beginning of the 20th century was like, when I taste dashi, it's got this savory undertone to it that fe- feels to me as a chemist, like there must be a chemical explanation for this. I wonder if I can isolate that mm. and figure out what it is. Mm-hmm. And he basically got halfway there in the sense that he isolated uh free glutamate, MSG, mm-hmm. and and turned that into a product. And that is part of the umami story and a very important part. There's also, so that primarily comes from the kombu, I want to say. I think I wrote this down. Well, it's present in both, right? In in the fermented fish or the preserved fish and the kombu, but... Yeah, so, but the the, uh, the umami source in the kombu is, is primarily MSG. Okay. And the umami source in the katsubushi is primarily inosinic acid. Okay. And they have a synergistic effect. So like uh, when they come together in the same dish, I love like synergy. it doesn't taste like twice as savory, it tastes like four times as savory. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Isn't synergy okay. great? Synergy's the coolest. Yeah. How, how can we like achieve corporate synergy? Uh, I hear that's an important thing. Uh we're gonna this is I think this is part of our baker's dozen strategy. There's <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm just gonna keep referring to it this year till I we figure out what write it is. A business book called The Baker's Dozen Strategy. And like we can be like really <laughs> coy throughout the book, like what that strategy actually entails. Because people buy a business book because like there's the name. The name and there's like some like person in a suit on the cover. So we'll get some suits. Okay. We'll wear the suits. We'll put we'll like do a photo shoot and the book will say we'll we'll be very like stern and business looking. It'll say the baker's dozen strategy. Are we going to wear baker's hats with our suits? Like how? Yes, absolutely. Or, yes. Or and, like a like a, a toque? Or are we going to wear? No, that mm. would be a chef's hat. A baker's hat seems what more a like a little hat? like a one of those little <laughs> like sailors hats. Okay, well, wear sailor hats and suits <laughs> and sailor suits. No, it's not a sailor hat. It's a it's a little baker's hat. And the I don't and the know. slogan will be something like "Take your business to the thirteenth degree or the thirteenth <laughs> level." Right? Yeah. Turn your business up to thirteen. Yeah. I don't see how you can lose. I don't see how we can either. Okay. okay. We've dripped so much dashi all over everything. Go on. Um, what was it? Okay. okay. So so it's a source of umami, but that is also true of a chicken stock. Like a, a chicken stock is also full of savory umami flavor. So here is the the difference as I think about it. And like when I first read this, I got this idea from from Chef Tadashi Ono in one of his books. I don't remember which one, but they're all good. He's written The Japanese Grill, Japanese Hot Pots, and Japanese Soul Food. Japanese Soul Cooking, maybe. Okay. And in one of those books, he had a sidebar where he talked about how in Western cooking, you've primarily developed flavor by long cooking and searing and concentrating. Okay. Right? Okay. So like when yep. you make chicken stock, you're going to like take some chicken meat and maybe brown it mm-hmm. and uh, and some chicken bones and then cook it for a long time to like extract and concentrate the flavor. Yep. That is not the primary primary source of flavor in Japanese cooking. In Japanese cooking, the primary source of flavor is like fermented and dried ingredients where they're already full of flavor, and you are using those flavors to flavor your finished dish, which is usually cooked quickly. Ah, okay. So whereas we might start, I mean, think of like chicken, okay? Yeah. Not a lot of flavor until you start adding right. salt and yeah, other things Yeah, when you think about eating it. a handful of raw chicken, <laughs> like there's not a lot of flavor there. Yeah, I mean, the last time I did it, I was like, why does anybody do this? <laughs> and then you woke up in the hospital three days <laughs> yeah. later, and you're like, oh, now I remember why. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, so you are... You are like getting flavor into it through the cooking process. 
and through things you're adding to it. Whereas, I mean, what could be more flavorful than these like dried fish, right? These right. like extremely like concentrated little flavor shards. Yeah. Or like, you know, soy sauce is another example. Mm-hmm. It's, it's dried mushrooms, dried mushrooms. Like all these things are like huge parts of, of Japanese cooking. Miso is another is another example. And like you're absolutely right that like in Western cooking, we often think of using that type of thing as like, you know, cheating or shortcuts. And it's not. Well, and what's interesting, too, actually, is all these things that we're talking about as being these kind of like, you know, um, highly flavored base ingredients. These base ingredients take a long time to make. Yes, absolutely. So right? someone has done a lot of the work for you when you're using these ingredients. Correct. It's not that you're cheating. It's that you're standing on the shoulders of giants. There you go. There you go. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. So how do you actually make dashi? We've been talking about homemade dashi. Let's talk about how you actually make it. Okay. First, can I talk about the ingredients that I used? Because Please. I think I think partly the reason I was eager to do this episode was that I accidentally bought some some like expensive fancy ass kombu at a Wajamaya. Okay, so I was gonna say, so the kombu that I have at home is from Ballard Market, which is like my local neighborhood, you know, European style grocery yeah. store. But it happens. They sell kombu. They sell kombu, yeah. and they sell packets of bonito that come in like five yeah, five gram little packets. But my kombu looks like it's covered in like a white bloom. What is yeah. that? So that is it's it's like a it's like an amino acid or something that is that is uh you know precipitating out. It's not bad. Okay. Okay. Um you don't know, like a lot of recipes will say to wipe it off. I think that's not necessary. I don't know why like some types of kombu like get more of that than others. I don't think it's really like a sign of quality, although this one, this fancy one doesn't have much of it. So what makes this fancy? So it's like, you know, that it's a, it's a particular, it's from Hokkaido, first of all, which mm-hmm. is like kombu central. It is like a particularly like high grade and like in good condition. Like, uh, you know, it's not the janky scallops. It's like the whole scallops. Mm-hmm. And so I was I needed I was out of kombu and I needed some. And like I uh, I was looking at what they had available to Wajamaya. And I, you know, it was one of those situations. And I'm sure this has happened to you where maybe it had like fallen over next to a different price tag, uh, you mm-hmm. know, shelf price tag. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, OK, you know, all right, five ninety nine. Like, I think last time I paid like, you know, four dollars for kombu. But fine, I'll get the five. Five ninety nine kombu. When I brought it up to the to the counter, it was sixteen dollars. Wow! <laughs> and, and you went ahead and bought it anyway. I went ahead and bought it anyway. You were like, I'm just gonna dig a hole, put this money in it, and burn it. Yeah, but it seems like it's pretty good stuff. And so, like now, I feel like I'm a better person because I own this fancy seaweed. <laughs> it's uh, it's Minami Kayabe Mak uh, Makombu Kokyu Dashio. Uh, so it's like 
kombu for dashi from a particular region at the at the southern tip of Hokkaido. Wow, I love that. That's the seaweed. Okay, so kombu, yeah. uh, which comes in these sheets, and you generally cut like a length of it. Yeah, so like I cut like a five gram piece, which I guess is like, I don't know, like three by four inches, something like that. I find my, I have like a little Hario scale that I use for making coffee, sure. and I find that very useful for these small, precise measurements of like lightweight things of like fish flakes and kombu. I have a little Haribo scale that I use for weighing gummy bears. <laughs> Okay, okay, go on. So then also while I was at Awajimaya, I got some new fish flakes and these these were kind of mid-priced ones, but I would I wanted to try some like thick sliced ones that are really only for making dashi. Like the thin sliced ones can be used for making dashi. And the, um, this is anchovy? That is bonito. This is bonito. Oh yeah. my god. So okay, the bonito flakes that I have, mm-hmm. which I'm sure you can picture, yeah. they are look anemic compared to these. So is there something different in the, like these are a rich shade of like, almost like a caramel color. The ones I have are like the color of my extremely pale skin. Yeah, I, so the ones you have are, are called hanakatsu, like flower, flower fish flakes. Oh, um, and okay. that's not bad. Like, like they're still good for making dashi and they're also good for sprinkling on things, which these would not be because they, you would not be able to chew them. I don't know if they're really any advantage to making dashi with the thick sliced ones that are only for dashi. I just liked how the package looked and it seemed to be like a nice mid-price, mid-quality choice. I gotta say, dude, these look really good. And I they mean, smell really good, okay, too. Let me, like, let open me and smell them. Yeah, when I was like measuring them out, just like pulling them oh out of the bag God. with my fingers, like they feel very satisfying. Oh, these are gorgeous. Wow, how much did this cost? That was like $6. Wow, six bucks for like what is ultimately going to be a lot of dashi. Yeah, I used like five grams to make two cups. I'm sorry, oh. I, what I said was was a lie. This is not katsobushi. It's uh, it's mackerel and horse mackerel. So oh. it's, it's a different fish. Okay. Okay, so so tell me about this. So you took your, your dried fish, you took some water, you took your kombu. What did yeah. you do? All right, so I put the uh, the kombu. First of all, I steeped it for a little bit this morning, just for a little extra flavor. That's optional. Um, what do you mean you steeped? It? Oh, I took the water that I was going to use to make the dashi, and I dropped the piece of kombu in it and let it sit on the counter for a couple hours. Oh my god, that's a long time. Weren't you worried about booing your kombu? Well, but you only boo it when you boil it. Oh. Okay. Yeah. No. If you're making like a kombu dashi, you can like you can let it sit in water, cold water, for 24 hours, and it'll be fine. Oh, right. You were talking about cold brew dashi before. Yeah. Okay. So I cold brewed for a little while. Then okay. I put it on the stove, like on medium heat, and uh, watched it. You know, when it starts to when it starts to kind of collect bubbles around the seaweed itself, not mm-hmm. just the bottom of the pot. That's about when I'm going to pull it. Okay. And so you pull the whole thing off, or you just remove the kombu? Just remove the kombu, okay. and then I throw in the fish flakes. And let it come back to just barely a simmer and then take that off the heat and let it infuse for like 10 minutes and then strain it. Okay. So dashi doesn't keep for long. I've always no. heard, but what does that mean? Like, does it go off? Like, Well, I think it just like loses its flavor. Like, um, you know, that it starts, starts to taste more like... Yeah, like it'll get a little little more bitter and a little watery at the same time, kind of. Weird. And like, but and you can freeze it for like a couple of weeks, but it's, you know, it's so quick to make. Yeah. Um, you know, especially if you're making it from a bag, which is perfectly good, that uh, really like you should just make it as you're using. And, and like if you're making your making it from scratch, like unlike a bo- bottle, unlike a, a, a pot of chicken stock, which like you're not going to make 
two cups of chicken stock, right? Um, Correct. From scratch. You can easily make two cups of dashi. I just did it. So here's a question for you. When I have made udon Mm -hmm. at home and I've made dashi, you know, then you boil your udon. I usually serve it with like soy sauce for people to doctor their own bowls and and togarashi and whatever else. But I still find that the flavor is kind of thin compared to Hanamaru Udon. What Ooh, am I doing that's a good wrong, question. Matthew? I mean, first of all, you could try just making a more intense dashi and see if that's what and you're looking what, for. How do I do that without I, I think I'm intimid I think I'm almost intimidated by the speed at which dashi is made. And therefore I don't know how to make it stronger because like Part of the whole idea of it is none of it cooks for very long. Just put in more. Oh, more stuff. More stuff. Ah. Yeah. Don't don't cook it longer. Just just use a Up higher ratio ratio of solids to liquid. Got it. Yep. Okay. Okay. I I think that's that's what I would try first. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, like I don't know. Like Hanamaru Udon is a is a big chain, and they probably have some like industrial dashi making operation going on. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what's what that entails, but I would like to know. I also want one of their like dashi dispensers. Yeah. So when you go get your soup there, you know, they scoop the the noodles out of the hot water using like a noodle basket thing and dump it in a bowl and then they push this thing that's like a pump and yeah. dashi comes out. It's delightful. Yeah, they've also got uh is that the place that has the uh the tea dispenser or no, it's the the ice water dispenser where you can get like ice and water to come out at the same time. Oh, I don't know. I think you've always gotten my ice water for oh, me. Oh, wow. I know. That was nice of me. <laughs> yeah, it was nice of you. Um okay, so Matthew, what do you make with dashi? I've talked about serving udon with it. So, make dashi and then put miso in it. That's miso Delicious soup. Delicious yep. instant miso soup. Hot pots, a lot of them have have a dashi base. Mm-hmm. Nimono is simmered dishes. That's like uh, like the squash that you made, but mm-hmm. like any any vegetable like simmered in dashi. Okay. Oh, one thing I was going to say before is um, when you make dashi from scratch, like you can also make a nibon dashi, which is like the second dashi using the same solids. Mm. Uh, have I ever actually done this myself? I don't think so. And then it, when you have the solids remaining, like every Japanese cookbook will tell you, then you can use those solids to make uh, tsukudani, which is like kombu uh, stewed in soy sauce, sweetened soy sauce, or and or homemade furikake. I've never done either of those things either. Like, I know mm. I would be a better person if I was frugal in that way, but I have not. Okay. Okay. So uh, other things that you make with dashi. Uh, donburi, like... Um, I've been making well, like uh, like a uh, like an oyakodon or or a uh, katsudon. Like mm-hmm. they'll definitely will be dashi in the uh, in the broth that turns into like the sauce that clings to the stuff on top. Oh, I didn't realize yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's, that's good stuff. Chawamushi is made with dashi. We mm-hmm. did a chawamushi episode. Mm-hmm. It always goes into the batter for okonomiyaki and takoyaki. I, I did not realize that. So when we were at Penguin Village and we ordered our okonomiyaki and they yeah. they brought out a bowl which had all the ingredients in it and you stir it up, where was the dashi in there? I think it was just in there. Right? Like it was it was in in like under all the cabbage or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you don't need a lot or it would get too runny. I mean, if you use a lot, then it becomes monjayaki, which I don't oh, think we've ever had. I That's like a runny pan, runny pancake. Yes, it's a runny pancake. Okay. It's quite tasty. Okay. When I make, uh, I mean, uh, sukiyaki is a hot pot, but I always use that in my uh, sukiyaki base. It's like equal parts uh, dashi, mirin, and soy sauce is what I usually do. Okay. It's great. Okay. And I don't know. 
Oh, oh, and and ramen, of course. Like I, I have one time made a like fish stock based ramen at home, and it was from the Ivan Ramen Cookbook, and it was t- a ton of work. It was very tasty. I'm not going to do it again. But wait, but what about so if I go get like tonkotsu ramen, does that involve dashi? It I mean, it's a pork broth. So the tonkotsu part refers to the fact that it has like rich, you know, kind of milky pork broth in it. But okay. if you go to uh, like our favorite place, Alba Ramen, mm-hmm. that is that was one of the first double soup restaurants. And that means that the the uh, the broth is made with both uh, like the tonkotsu pork broth and a fish based dashi mixed <sighs> together. Um, There are also a lot of ramen places, particularly in Tokyo, that specialize in niboshi ramen, which is uh, made with a strong, um, like, sardine or anchovy-based dashi. Okay, okay. Um, And usually with soy sauce added also. And then, of course, uh, so soba, right? Oh, yeah. We've talked about udon, but soba as well. I mean, udon and soba are, are like sibling noodles. Any way you see one of them served, the other one is also served that way. So, like, yeah. Um, okay. Like either both both like dipping style and soup style, there will be dashi involved. In a dipping style, is the dashi more concentrated? That's a good question. Because it seems to I me that if I were... the answer is probably yes. If I were to dip soba in our homemade dashi here, I'm not sure that it would contribute a lot of flavor. I just... Learn something interesting. So first of all, for for like a dipping noodle, you're gonna you're gonna like season it up with uh, with like strong ingredients, like probably quite a bit of soy sauce. Mm, um, okay, usually goes into into like a dipping style. Um, you know, if it's uh, if it well, we we should do we should do like a whole uh, dipping noodle episode. I, we that's should. One of my favorite I've, things. I've never done dipping noodles. I just learned something interesting from this bag. Okay. Um, that might that might this, uh, this is change the, your life. the the tea bag bag. So here's the bag. Dashi, right here. I'm gonna, okay. I'm gonna taste it again. Okay, that's really good. This was made with miso soup oriented proportions. Okay, okay, okay. Um, which is a very light dashi. Yes, and I think probably the just one cookbook recipe that we both use probably is also like a miso soup strength of dashi because that's what okay. you're going to be using it for mo like that's that's the most common dish made with dashi and right? we will we will also link to the just one cookbook yeah, recipe on this bag it says if you are using this dashi bag for making udon or soba use 300 milliliters of water rather than 700. Whoa. So more than twice as strong. Oh, I'm really eager to taste that. So I think next time, yeah, next time you make udon at home, okay. try making, try putting in a little more than twice as much kombu and katsuobushi okay. and see what that does for you. It's I think, not going to be bad. I think my family's going to love this. Wow, you can learn so much from a bag. Uh, if you can read Japanese characters. If you can read Japanese, you can learn so much from a Japanese bag. <laughs> All right. Uh, Matthew, do we if have anyone? If anyone in the audience has a Japanese bag, like, and call Send and, like, it to Matthew, he'll read it. And is having trouble sleeping, <laughs> like, call me up and I'll, and I'll read it to you softly at bedtime. Um, do we have anything else to say about Dashi? Um, Other than we've just learned a lot about Dashi. We, yeah, I mean, like, I didn't realize how much I was going to learn. I know. <laughs> this I is knew great. I was going to learn a lot, but um, this, I, it's very satisfying to watch you learn. I don't know. Like, I hope, I hope we didn't leave people with the impression that, like, homemade Dashi is the be-all, end-all. I don't think we did. I think that I came into this, you know, as I said at the beginning, I, I, I think I always thought that homemade Dashi was, like, what you should do. 
And now, actually, now that I've tasted these other ones, I mean, as you heard, I I really liked that Hondashi granules one. I am definitely, you and I are actually going to go to, we're going to go grocery shopping together after we tape this, and I'm going to get some of those tea bags. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that I will be making dashi-oriented dishes much more often now that I understand better, like, the normalcy of instant and and. What do you call non-instant but bag dashi? Yeah, I, I call it packets, I guess. But okay. Like I don't know, packet implies like uh, like a mustard packet or something, right? There's no mustard in here. Okay. Okay. <laughs> what a disappointment. Um, all right. Should we move on to segments? Yeah, let's do. I'm going to read our spilled mail today. Okay. This one comes from listener June. Hi, listener June. I like your name. Do any of your favorite movies or TV series have specific favorite meals that you enjoy when you watch them? For example, when I watch, this is listener June, when I watch Humphrey Bogart movies, I always want coffee and dessert. I like that. Rom-coms like The Wedding Planner or Love Actually. It's pasta bolognese. Mm -hmm. Any mystery movie or TV series, I love a good takeaway, Thai, Indian, or Chinese. Any specific movie and food pairings for you, Molly and Matthew. Okay. First of all, obviously, whenever I watch Big Night, I make the timpano. Yeah. From- <laughs> Don't we all? Yeah. I mean, but I mean, that's like, a you know, I make that on Thursdays. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Do you, I, I have one that comes to mind for me. I have nothing that okay. comes to mind. And I love the idea of rituals like this. You know, people who like really have like this, yeah. this like kind of like, Easy formula for enjoyment. <laughs> right. So here's here's the thing. Like, I also am not really, like, much of a, like, you know, pairing specific foods with specific entertainment person, although it sounds awesome. But a couple weeks ago, uh, Wife of the Show, Lori, put on the calendar FNF Pizza Picnic. And I said, what is that? And she said, we're going to watch Fast Five, the fifth movie in the Fast and Furious franchise, and order pizza. Like, as soon as I heard that, I'm like, I can't, like, this is going to keep me going. Like, it was a pretty (laughs) tough week. And then on Friday night, we ordered uh, pizza from Pagliacci, and we watched Fast Five, which is probably the best Fast and Furious movie. Okay. Um, And it was just perfect, and, uh, like... There isn't there isn't any other food to for me that could possibly go better with a Fast and Furious movie, and so I hope we have a lot more Fast and Furious pizza picnics. Oh, God, and when I say that's picnic, great. I mean we ate pizza on the living room floor in front of the TV. That is just perfect. It it's was perfect. perfect. It's perfect. Yeah, we. I don't have anything like okay, this. Okay, that's fine. I don't have anything like this. Um, I mean, I do want to have coffee and dessert with Humphrey Bogart. That sounds pretty cool. You know, I always wish that somebody were around to, like, make me a decaf coffee in the evening. Oh, that's nice. You can't ask your spouse to do that? I could, but I don't keep decaf coffee around. And it's just, like, too much work. (laughs) (laughs) So we had had a really challenging week last week. Uh And yesterday was Sunday when we're taping this. We both wound up taking, like, a Sunday afternoon nap. Nice. Um, anyway, we woke up and I just so badly wanted somebody to come cook us like a really nice meal. Like just somebody else come cook a really nice meal for us. Yeah. That didn't happen. <laughs> just some, I mean, that anybody. 
please. Like, you call call me. Like, uh, you know, next time, call me up. Like, I'll read you from a from a Japanese bag. Okay. And, I'll, and then I'll come over and, and uh, cook you a meal. Okay. Okay. Great. Am I actually offering? I sure. Why not? Oh yay! Okay. I'll I'll even come pick you up. Okay. Yeah, that sounds great. And okay. this offer is also good for every listener. Okay. Uh, especially you, listener June. Thank you right. for sending in your spilled mail. And now it's time for now, but wow. Yay! That's not a, that's not a good way to introduce this segment because I said now twice. Whatever. It's my turn for now, but wow, and I have two, one of which is very self-serving, but I'll do I'll do the other one first. Okay. So I just finished a book called XOXO by Axie O. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a coming of age, young, young adult romance. Um, uh, it's very, it's very sweet. And it is about Jenny, who is a cellist in LA who uh, meets a cute boy one night. And of course the boy turns out to be Jay Woo, a member of a huge K-pop band who isn't allowed to date because he's a member of a K-pop oh, band. The sexual tension here uh-huh. must've been turned up to 11. So, and of course, like they only have one, you know, one perfect after an evening together. And then he goes back to Korea, but then Jenny moves to Seoul to be closer to her dying grandmother and enrolls in uh, music school there and guess who is in her class yes it's it's some other guy no it's ah. Woo. um so i uh, i really enjoyed it and th- you reminded me when you talked about like how you wanted someone to to make you a home-cooked meal like the part of the book that that like got me the most uh, revved up was when she gets to go to uh his family's house for uh for a home-cooked korean dinner mm. mm-hmm. oh fantastic okay so uh so that is xoxo by axi o that's oh uh yep and then the other thing, which uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm just like taking the plunge. I'm going to mention this is that uh, I've mentioned on the show a few times that I've been uh, getting more serious about making music. Mm-hmm. And I uh, wrote and recorded a song with a couple friends of mine from work. And I'm putting it on SoundCloud. We'll put yes! the SoundCloud link in the episode description. Uh, yes! The song is called Save the World. Okay. Uh, it has uh, words and music and singing and guitarings by me. Yay! And uh, my friends Matt and Ryan from work contributed bass and additional guitars. And uh, I hired a guy named Corey to mix it. And I'm pretty happy with the way that it turned out. There are certainly places in it where I'm like, there. those are the places where we screwed up. But I think it's a pretty catchy song. Oh, man. This is the best. Uh, so if you if you want to hear me sing something, I mean, I mean, first, it does sound like a song from the 90s, but it's not an actual song from the 90s like we usually break into on this episode. OK. On this show. All right. So you can check that out in the uh, show notes. Yep. Mm-hmm. And our producer is Abby Circatella. And, you know, we haven't mentioned in a little while, but Abby doesn't just work for us. Abby no. is a freelance podcast producer and development editor. She is a manuscript wizard. Yes. Yeah. Spends a lot of her time reading and polishing up other people's books. Yeah. So if you've if you got a manuscript, you need to get producer Abby involved. She's fantastic. So, yeah, that's our producer, Abby Circatella. All right. Please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, check in with other people who listen to the show at reddit.com slash r slash everything spilled milk. That's mm-hmm. a fun place to hang out. Sure is. As always, thank you for listening to Spilled Milk, the show that... That is uh, shot through with umami, with umami, <laughs> and, and you're to blame. Oh, I, I like that. Shot through the heart, and you're to blame. Yeah, you, you, darling, you give love a savory undertone. I'm Molly Weisenberg, <laughs> and I'm Matthew Amster Burton. Yeah, that that was definitely our best. Yeah, that episode. was really the best one. Die. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> you weren't recording any of our was, Shirley Jackson spoiler segment? No, I didn't want to <laughs> I didn't want to spoil <laughs> everyone like I did you. Okay. Molly Molly's upset because I just spoiled the story The Lottery for By her. Shirley Jackson, which story, is literally a 70-year-old yeah, story. When was that story written? Uh, I can't remember. Was it like 1940? No. Yeah, I, I think it was in the 40s, right? Have you watched the movie Shirley in which Elizabeth Moss plays Shirley Jackson? No. Does she get hit by a rock at the end? <laughs> Matthew? 1948. There we go. So it's so it's more than 70 years Stop old. Stop ruining it. You know, I'm you know why you haven't read, read it. it yet? It's because it was published originally published it in the New Yorker, and you haven't caught up to the 1948 <laughs> New Yorkers yet. I actually have the lottery, the New Yorker <laughs> page of it, like open on my computer, of one of you my do. like 18 billion tabs. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 